Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Now is the time to embrace a new wave of workers. Every day, your team grows younger, more digital, and more drawn to entirely new ways of working, which means you need flexible solutions to connect them where business gets done. T-Mobile for Business was born digital. With America's largest 5G network, we can make it easier to work together from virtually anywhere. Your team may be changing, but with the right tech, it can be more productive than ever before. Get started at tmobile.com slash now. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on Other People's Pockets. Oh, thank you for having me. So I want to start out with like a little bit of background. Who are you and what are you into? I always like to start out with I would not be the person I am today without the relationships in my life, without the mentorships and the friends and the chosen family. In terms of like my interests, you know, I'm someone who just recently discovered her own interests. I used to be one of those people who just devoted everything into a romantic relationship, and I had no interests or hobbies outside said relationship. So now I feel really proud of myself that, you know, I like yoga and reading and crafting and walking. I participate in storytelling competitions. And most recently, I tied for first, and that really gave me confidence to think about how, oh, my story matters. People want to hear what I have to say. So why not do this? I want to hear a little bit more just about your background, like where you grew up, what that looked like, and how you got to where you are now. Uh, so I was born and raised in the Midwest of California. That's a reference to a famous film, Lady Bird. <laughs> so that's Sacramento, California. A big turning point in my life was when I received a fully funded scholarship to a small liberal arts college on the East Coast. So making that move, that was my first time on a plane. That was my first time leaving Sacramento, my first time leaving the state, uh, my first time seeing snow. So a lot of firsts for me. And of course, I experienced the usual culture shock. And at the time, I didn't know that was culture shock. And in college, that's when I started developing these mentorships and deep friendships and 
all my life, my mother told me that you shouldn't trust anyone that's not in the family. They're just looking to take advantage of you. To some extent, I understand that she's coming from a really survivalist immigrant mindset. So leaving my bubble and meeting other people who helped me and were nice to me and did kind gestures, they did it out of the goodness of their heart and they didn't expect anything in return. Like when I needed a place to stay when the dorms closed and I didn't want to go back to California, I asked friends, I asked professors, I asked the woman I nannied for, and they all opened up their homes to me. And that was confirmation that no relationships are not as transactional as some people believe. Where did your parents immigrate from? Um, From Hong Kong. And did you feel like there was ways of looking at money, ways of looking at familial relations and how you depend on other people that was formed by country of origin and your culture? Like, did you feel like you basically had to rethink and rewrite all the kind of whatever rules you had in your mind once you got to college and started developing these other relationships outside of your family of origin? You know, that's a good question. Like, I remember my friend and I, we went to a conference. It was put on by the scholarship organization that we were both part of, and they were student-run sessions. And one session was what to do when you realize you are your parents' retirement fund. And I thought the session was going to go into, like, you know, the emotional implications of a realization like that. But the takeaway from that session was kind of like, just make more money. Right. Like, don't question that this is the the facts. Like, just here's how you're going to afford it. Yeah. So what do you do now for work? And, like, how do you support yourself? Yeah. So my career... I'm, I'm, I'm a career changer. I worked in early education for several years. Then I pivoted to nonprofit work, and now I'm in higher education. Specifically, I work in enrollment management. And how old are you? 29. So one of the things that you mentioned to me is that you are not in touch with your family of origin. And that has a lot of personal finance implications. Can you tell me about that? Yes. So I do think that I put myself at a financial disadvantage because I choose to not have a relationship with my family of origin. However, my chosen family has stepped up. So I think it's important to really think about as individuals who we want in our lives and how they best serve us. So I felt like my family of origin wasn't serving me emotionally. That's why I chose not to have contact with them. And I know I'm putting myself at a financial disadvantage. There's also the piece where even if we did have a relationship, they don't have money to begin with. Because I'm one of the many, many Americans who grew up low income, and I still feel like I'm in the same socioeconomic class, broadly speaking. So why did you decide to sever ties with your family of origin? Yeah, so 
their judgments and criticisms and constant negativity was really taking a toll on my mental health. Like if you were to describe someone who always puts you down and is constantly criticizing you, would you want that person in your life? And why does it change if this person is like a parental figure? I don't think it shouldn't. So that makes sense. Is it possible to talk a little bit more about growing up in your family and kind of how money played into the home you grew up in? Yeah. So in my own research, and when I say research, I mean Googling. I'm not a psychologist by any means, but I learned that there's like substance use disorders and then there's like process addictions. So like process addictions, it's like being addicted to shopping or video games. And in my father's case, he was a compulsive gambler. That was my whole childhood memory of him and the stress and tension in the house. You know, he was the only working parent. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. So what did your dad do for a living? Um, he was we we say handyman, so I guess like he's a private contractor, so like small business owner. During tax season, he filed as a small business. So like the money he brings in well, my, my mom just says like, oh, he'll gamble it away. Like, that's why we don't have gas in the car because we can't afford it. Or like, that's why you can't go on this field trip because we can't afford it. Your father just throws all the money away. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know about things like you can request a fee waiver. You can request like additional funds and like you know, I was a former teacher and now I work in higher ed administration. People ask for exceptions and waivers and help all the time. But I wasn't taught that. So yeah, you know, rejection day in and day out. We can't have that thing because we don't have the money. Why do we not have money? Because your dad is a irresponsible, bad human. And do you think it's true that if he hadn't gambled the money away, then you guys would have been fine or? Oh, do you know, that's a what? good question. I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I remember during AP test season, it was possible to get a waiver for the AP exam. Oh, there's fees for everything. Mm-hmm. And to get the waiver, you had to show the guidance counselor a copy of your tax returns. And I remember the number on the tax return, it was $10,000. And now- For the whole year. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. how did we do it? And back then, like we weren't on any benefits. So yeah, can a family of four live off of $10,000 a year in 2003? I don't know. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC, copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And speaking of how there's a cost for everything, even in high school, like taking an AP exam, I remember prom and any of those kind of school functions. I don't know if you went to prom, but Mm -hmm. I remember we had to pay for just social Mm -hmm. gatherings that anybody would at least want the option to go to. Do you remember having to pay for prom and stuff like that? You know, that's a good question. There's some quintessential high school experience, like kid experiences that I felt like I was not allowed to do. We couldn't afford it. But you know what's great about being a grown-up? I can do these things. My mom never put me in organized activities. She said we couldn't afford it. And there's also that like added cost of transportation. If there's no gas in the car, then she can't drive me. So, you know, next month I signed up for adult tumbling. And then... What's that? It's like gymnastics classes for adults. Uh So, 
when I went to college, there was like a horseback riding club and it was really subsidized. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to try that. So I think at the time there was like resentment, but I felt like I rationalized it by thinking, oh, I understand. We just can't afford it. So I can't do this thing. But now I live less in resentment and more of the line of thinking that life is long. I can, I, can, yeah. I, can, I can do it as an adult. You mentioned being the kind of person who would throw like your whole self into a romantic relationship and not necessarily have a lot of hobbies or a lot of other identities on the outside. How did that impact your financial outlook and how have you kind of moved on from that? See, I also wasn't the type of person who I never want to feel like I would have to financially rely on someone like how I saw my mother because she didn't work until, I don't know, until I was in like eighth grade. And right now she's still working as a, um, a, a school cafeteria worker. I think she makes like $17 an hour. So even when I was putting all my emotional eggs in one basket, I wasn't putting all my financial eggs in one basket. So I wasn't like constantly spending money to get this person to like stay with me and love me. I wasn't insisting that my romantic partner pay for me. I guess the best example was I was so afraid again to debt that I just tolerated a relationship that wasn't working. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. Because I, I had a really high credit limit, but I just didn't right. want to get into the debt. Right. <laughs> and then now you are in debt, but you're like... And I feel free. Seems like you're way happier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. You mentioned that you work at a university and also you used to be a teacher and you would see that people actually ask for waivers and ask to take advantage of various programs there are. Has it opened your eyes to what you can ask for and get if you are a squeaky wheel? Yes. So (laughs) so the short answer is yes. Um, When I was a teacher... It took a lot of practice. I just had to keep on doing it. But every time I went somewhere, do you offer discounts for teachers? And now that I work for a university, like I checked out this microphone from the university library. And I used to be more on the student facing side. So like the the emails I would get from applicants, the applicants' parents, even one time, an applicant's partner just being very demanding and persistent. And then I realized it never hurts to ask. Like for my current position, mm-hmm. a range was listed, and then I was offered the very end of the range. And then I asked if the salary was negotiable, and then I was given $28.50. So, like, even though the amount was really small, the confidence that it instilled in me, you know, you can't put a number on that. I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about all of the little everyday things that people might not think about that are really different when you don't have your family of origin to rely on at all. So like renting an apartment, affording the 
first and last months and security deposit or even just the safety net of knowing that if shit hits the fan in life, you always have this other home that you can go stay at whenever you want for however long. What are some of the kind of day-to-day things that fall apart a little bit when you don't have your family of origin to rely on? So I feel like there's this sort of financial enmeshment. I'm going to make that term up. This financial enmeshment (laughs) between adult children and their adult parents that's taken for granted and not really talked about. Just to be clear, I have my chosen family. So if like shit hits Mm -hmm. the fan, then I'll stay Mm -hmm. with my best friend. My other friend will Mm -hmm. lend me money. So I feel very fortunate to have that. But just from like everyday conversation from like friends, acquaintances, co-workers, like when I pay my mom back, I'm going to do this. Or "Mm, I was booted and towed the other day. I got to ask my dad for money. Or like just being on like a phone plan with your family or like I'm watching TV with a friend and they log into their streaming account and I see like mom, dad, sibling, they're all on on Mm. the same streaming account. Or even, like, every time I log into my credit card account, there's an advertisement for, like, add an authorized user. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's built in, I think, for adult children to establish credit by being an authorized user on their parents' credit card. Mm -hmm. And what got me thinking about this was when someone posted in a first-generation low-income Facebook group that I'm part of. She was a researcher at a local university sharing how I'm doing a study about adult children and their financial relationship with their parents. And I would really love more low-income voices. And I thought, I want to do this. That's me. me. (laughs) And then in the pre-screening, there was a list of questions. Like you answer yes, no. And I wrote some of the questions down. Like my parents helped me pay for my tuition. My parents took out loans on my behalf. My parents currently pay my phone bill. My parents give me money for living expenses. My parents have paid for my travel to visit them. And there is one example of the reverse situation where you answer yes, no. I have given my parents money because of financial need. Yeah. And so it sounds like that, like that survey and those questions laying it out kind of illuminated for you like, oh, wow, there is this whole host of things that a lot of people experience that I don't. Yes. Just seeing it out, like I've definitely felt it, but I couldn't name it. Right. Um, And I'm also thinking about like, say like you aren't in touch with your family of origin, but maybe you haven't yet built up this whole network and the safety net of other friends. And then you need something like you're living with someone and you break up with them. And you know what, Maya, that example you used, classic example, right? You break up with a partner and what happens? Well, that happened to me. Left a relationship, a house and a career on one go. And that was like two or three years ago. And what my ex did, we both left the apartment. We both lost the deposit. So he moved in with his sister and I crowdsource and fundraise. I put my payment handles on Facebook and I was able to make first, last and deposit on a new apartment from the donations and generosities of people I knew personally. And 
you know, we believe in like equity, not equality. So they said they were happy to lend me the money, give me the money. They just want to see me like out of this place. So that really confirmed that when I'm down, my support network has me. How, what is it like to ask for help like that? Um, it's a learned skill, asking for help. Say more. I don't really see much representation or I didn't have much representation of one, people being vulnerable about their financial need growing up and two, others directly asking for money. And then I realized sometimes the ask doesn't have to be monetary. Like when I was Mm -hmm. moving into this new apartment, I don't drive. So my friends who do have access to a car can put down a license to rent a car, you know, that's how they were able to help me. And just doing it over and over again and being met with positivity, it reaffirms that like, no, I'm not a burden. No, it's not too much. Like everything that you know, I was kind of taught in childhood, like don't share your struggle, don't ask for help. Isolated. Yeah, or isolated within the nuclear family, right? Mm. It's okay to ask family for help, but Mm. not anybody outside of blood. Mm -hmm. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC, copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Do you have any advice on if people need to ask for help, this is how you do it or this is how you think about it differently so you can feel good doing it? Yeah. Um, So the concept of like evidence binder, and this is something that my friend told me that she learned from her therapist. Like you are trying to do something hard Think about the last time you did that hard thing. You did it, and how did you feel about it? So, like, a recent example is I had to take my cats to the vet, and I don't drive, and I felt uncomfortable taking public transportation or doing a ride share with a stranger with my most precious animals with me. So I asked my friend to take time off work and drive me to the vet. And initially, I was thinking... Well, that's asking for like a lot and traffic's going to be so bad and like she's not allowed in the exam room anyway, so she'll just be like waiting for me. But then I thought back about the last time she gave me a ride, she was really happy to like chat on the way over and she has cats herself. She loves cats. She's happy to do it for me. When people say happy to help, believe them because they are. So how much money do you make now? So I make $28.50 an hour. So I'm an hourly employee at my university. And I'm not working 40 hours. Um, it's more like 35 hours because I get unpaid lunch. So that equals out to around 50 k a year. And to be honest, this is the most money I've ever made. Do you have any savings? No, there's pretty much only like $1,000 to $2,000 in my account at any given time. Do you have debt? Yes. Since my breakup, I accumulated quite a bit of debt. And I think, unfortunately, uh, I was in that relationship for how many years longer than I should have been because... You know, I was making $12 an hour at that time. He was making like $13 an hour at that time. And like, yeah, we were both struggling, but because of like splitting expenses and he had a car, you know, it just was easier to stay together and Mm -hmm. tolerate what was not working until I could tolerate no more. So I did take that financial hit and I did get into debt, but... Being in debt, I realized it's not the end of the world. I'm still happy and fulfilled and living life. And it's not a death sentence like I Mm -hmm. thought slash feared. Because I was taught Mm -hmm. being in debt was a death sentence. 
And it's like a moral failing. Yeah. Like shame on you for even, yeah. How much debt do you have? 32000 And that's just in the last like two years, you said? Yeah. Is it related to living expenses or just like life, whatever random stuff that you put on a credit card? I think it's both. So all my debt is um, credit card debt because, as I mentioned, I got the fully funded scholarship to to college and, you know, I graduated debt free and I was really proud of that. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, because of what I was making in those positions after graduating, I couldn't save. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. One of the apartments I lived in, you were you you could pay rent on a credit card. So that's what I did. That's so rare, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know that I've heard of that. I think uh, it was like one of those um, property management portal mm. systems. And, and mm-hmm. also, unfortunately, if you pay with a card, they take like 3%. <laughs> you talked about how before you broke up, you probably should have left the relationship but you didn't for a while because it was convenient and, Mm -hmm. you know, you can have shared finances. And I think that there's a lot of people that get into that scenario where it's harder to uproot your entire life than it is to leave. Do you have any advice for anyone who's in that scenario where money is part of the reason why they're staying in a relationship that maybe they shouldn't be in? So what really spurred the breakup was my friend sent me an article about relationship anarchy. And for those of us who don't know what relationship anarchy is, it's a term coined by, um, I think she's Swedish. Her name is Andy Norgren. But relationship anarchy, from my understanding and in my own words, is... The idea that we should look at relationships based on the relationships themselves and not the title of the relationship. Like, oh, you have to put an emergency contact. I'm going to put my mom. Why are you putting your mom? Is it just because she's your mom or will she actually like show up and be there for you? So it's less significance on like the title and more on like the day-to-day interactions of said relationship. So my advice for people who may feel that they're in a unfulfilling relationship of any sort, whether that be with biological family, whether that be with a romantic partner that you're living with, my advice is to really like open up and think about and broaden the perception of family Like, I'm one of those people who firmly believes that platonic love is real love. Like, I don't think romantic love should be placed on, like, a higher rung than platonic love. So Mm -hmm. part of the reason why that relationship failed, it was like a four-year relationship, was like, I like this person, this person likes me back, let's move in together. And it's only been six months. Do you really know someone after six months because I was really hurting from all this childhood PTSD from my family of origin that I was seeking unconditional love from like the first person who showed me any sort of affection. But then once I broadened my definition of love, I realized I'm loved in so many ways and so many people. 
have my back. Yeah, when you're talking about that, I was thinking about this idea of unconditional love and loving kindness, basically, and how romantic love can be more likely to turn into conditional love because of attachment, because you want something from someone and you get jealous and you it's it's sort of like I love you as long as you stay the person that you were when I met, you know, like all these things can happen so much more easily with romantic love. But actually, unconditional love is more like, I just love you no matter what. It's more pure. It's more kind of sweet. And I feel like that can sometimes be more possible with platonic love or with somebody that you're not so like enmeshed with and living with and you have all these like resentments and memories it's like that can actually make it more complicated you can be loved for just existing for just being who you are you don't have to do anything you don't have to produce anything it's not transactional mm-hmm. and like we live in such a transactional society where everything is bought and sold and yeah it is nice to find people where it's just you're just you you're already you're already enough You were talking about relationship anarchy, and I want to hear more about that and how that has influenced how you make friends, how you seek partners, like how you even think about love and connection in your life. So one thing I haven't mentioned is that I came into relationship anarchy around the same time that I came into non-monogamy, like the practice of polyamory, having multiple loving relationships simultaneously. And I do identify as queer because I put polyamory under the queer umbrella. So I think there's this idea that exists that we should value romantic partners, especially like spouses above all other types of relationships. And, you know, I'm currently in a relationship. It's a non-monogamous relationship. And from the beginning, I knew we had different goals. Like, he wants children. I love children, but I do not want to bear or birth any children of my own. He can have children with someone else. And if deemed appropriate, the child can be in my life as well. And I can be in their child's life. So there's this like set of expectations or milestones, as you may call it, like dating, being exclusive, cohabitation, merging finances. And these are all steps in what's called the relationship escalator. And like once I realized that I can step off the relationship escalator and I can kind of do a do-it-yourself relationship. Like, my relationships, it doesn't have to look like what's presented in the media or what was presented to me growing up. Relationships are very customizable. Like, my partner and I, we have never done an overnight. But that doesn't mean he's any less committed to me or I'm less committed to him. We offer a lot of 
support and love and reassurance and positivity in each other's life. And he has other partners, you know, and he does the same for them. How long have you guys been together? Uh, you know, I said in a Facebook post that I've been happier in 16 months in a non-monogamous relationship than 16 years in monogamous relationships. <laughs> so letting go of the idea that relationships have to center on the monogamous nuclear family, that was very freeing to me. One of my best friends, she's unpartnered. She doesn't have children. She's a woman in her late 30s. And one of her long-term goals is to own a house and rent part of it out as like an artist residency. And I love that goal. Another friend in my life, she lives with her best friend. These are two straight women who live together and they do life together. So yeah, when I stepped off the relationship escalator, when I came out as non-monogamous, when I started practicing relationship anarchy, I felt like that's really deepened my relationships, especially my friendships. What do you indulge in financially? I love supporting like other artists and creatives like a goal of mine is to have everything I own be like handmade or used or secondhand I'm in all these like free Facebook buy nothing buy nothing groups on Facebook Mm -hmm. I live in a very walkable city there's free boxes all the time and I also recently had a half birthday party And um, did it hurt to spend $100 on food? Yes. But I was supporting a small API-owned business. And, you know, another guest on your show, Ingrid, she she was the founder of The New Savant. I'm like, oh. Mm -hmm. Ingrid Nelson. Yeah, Mm -hmm. supporting a queer API small business. I bought candles from her. So, um, wait, after you heard mm-hmm. the episode or oh, yeah, nice. after I heard the episode. So like my long term financial goal is I just want to be able to live according to my values of like giving back and supporting creatives and, you know, paying it forward. Um, my friends have helped me out so much financially and, you know, I want to do the same for them or for other people. Yeah. Being able to live according to my values, but not feeling like. I'm being set back financially. Jessica, this was really great. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, thank you. Uh, It was fun. And thanks for picking me out of thousands of people who make 50K. (laughs) I'm just just one of of thousands. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was great to have you on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 